Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. Scrapbookers by nature are just wonderful people and they love to share and they love to encourage. And I think when you have a kit club, you have this built-in community of people who are using that same product that you love, or maybe the pieces of the kit that you didn't particularly love or didn't know how to use someone else does love. And there's, and you're like, oh, wow, light bulb. Yeah, that's how I want to use it. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 69. In this episode, recorded at the beginning of March 2020, I'm chatting with the owner of Coco Daisy, Christine Everett. Our conversation offers a peek behind the scenes of running a small business in the scrapbooking industry. You'll hear how Christine stays creative and flexible even when making difficult decisions. Hey, Christine, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me to to be a part of this. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Can you get started by just sharing a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, my name is, obviously, it's Christine Everett. Um, Everett now, I was recently married a couple years ago to my high school sweetheart. Long story. Um, I live in Michigan on the west side in a little town called Hudsonville. And uh, actually, I've been here for my whole life. Born and raised in this area, in uh, Grand Rapids area, West Michigan area, is an absolutely fabulous place to live. I have uh, two boys, Nate and Zach. They're 17 and 14. And two little furball puppies, Bodie and Blue. And probably one of the other big parts of my life is that I own a company called Cobra Daisy. Well, one of the things we always do on the podcast is talk about what's exciting us right now in memory keeping. So, Christine, what's exciting you? It could really be anything at all. Oh, boy. Well, I have a couple things um, that we're working on and one that's kind of happening right now. The one that's happening right now is we've partnered with Amy Tan and we've brought back our 12 by 12 scrapbooking kit um, for the month of April. And the 12 by 12 scrapbooking kit has a lot of her product in it, as well as a couple of exclusive things that she's designed just for us. And um, her and I, you know, we're kind of old school. I mean, we've been in scrapbooking for so long that it was, I thought it was the perfect opportunity The the, uh, kit, the collection that we designed for April seemed to just fit her style and her personality so well that I reached out to her and I thought it would be so fun 
to bring back a 12 by 12 scrapbooking kit for the month. So that I'm really excited about. And then um, the other thing that we're going to start doing is having some classes uh, for people, a lot of kind of to help them kind of jumpstart their creativity. Okay. A lot of people will get um, a kit or they'll kind of be, they'll get a collection of items and they won't know kind of where do I start? Where do I begin? And so we're going to have some uh, memory keeping classes that cover a lot of the the different areas of memory keeping because there's a lot of them now. Oh yeah. And I mean, that's one of the, the best things about it. I think today is that we do have so many options so that you can follow your inspiration yeah, in, in so many, I mean, if you can be super simple, you can be um, super, you know, inky and, and mixed media, you can go kind of any way you want. And um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to, to offer classes just to help people kind of know where to begin. And so those are, those are two things that I'm really kind of, yeah, excited about. Well, I know a lot of your customers will be excited about Brent, the, the 12 by 12 kit coming back, uh, at least for a short yeah. time, because yeah, it's just a, there's still a lot of us out there that do scrapbook that size. I know. <laughs> but I think that's going to be I like know, a big sad. theme in our conversation is, you know, things do change. And as business owners, we have to change accordingly to be, stay viable. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, as, as much as it pained me to, uh, to discontinue it, um, the demand just at the time was not there. Yeah, so. yeah. So another thing we love to talk about are stories that are on our memory keeping bucket list. And so these are sometimes like deeper stories, ones that maybe we've been putting off because we think they're too big to dive into. And we're trying to to really talk about this bucket list idea this year and and keep sharing our story ideas so that it kind of demystifies it and takes the intimidation out of it. So what's one story that's on your memory keeping bucket list? Oh, and this, I'm excited about this for a, ro- a lot of reasons. Um, so I have to give you a little backstory. I was, I finally dug in and cleaned out my, my storage unit and, or my storage area in the basement. And I found this um, tin box and I knew I had it. I just, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't something I had thought about in a, in a long time. And it was my grandmother's, my grandmother was an amazing cook. And she had all of her handwritten recipes in this box. And recently, um, having gotten into the Happy Planner um, system of memory keeping, they have a recipe uh, Happy Planner. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes. And my thought was to take one of those and make it not just straight up recipes, but to kind of make it a memory planner as well by creating one that had just all of my grandmother's um, written recipes in it. And then maybe writing some memories of those particular dishes and making it more of a a memory book and a recipe book. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have all of my grandma's recipes. Like they're just in, you know, basically in pocket pages. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But to see, you know, the, the, the stains from the cooking and to mm. see their hand, their faded handwriting, I just, I love that. And, um, and I, I love to cook as well. So in, to me, that's, that's just one of the ways you show love, you know, oh, and for so sure. I, I'm excited to do that. Well, what a treasure. That sounds like a fun project. Yeah. 
So, but that's bucket list one because it's gonna it's gonna take some time to do. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, and it's just it's sometimes it's those there's how do I say this? There's such a creative uh, expression that you want to have live up to the depth of the story and the meaning it has to you. And I think that's why it sometimes feels intimidating because you want your your work to live up to the memory that you're trying to capture. Um, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to go through it really quick. You want yeah, I totally agree with that. That sometimes that is the intimidation part. Is it's like it needs to be super special. How do I, you know, make it that? And so that sometimes keeps us from moving forward instead of just starting. Well, I also think it makes it that great opportunity to use those supplies that maybe you've been kind of holding back on because they were special. Um, yeah, and to just, exactly. To do that more often and make that the regular occurrence that these are special products. These are special stories. Let me keep doing this. Cause I know there's always going to be more of both. Yeah. That, and that's, that's something that we touched on. I think this summer I, I talked a little bit about using your stash and how one of the things we do is we'll hoard things because they're our favorites, but three years from now, they might not be our favorites. So why not use them now when they give you joy, you know, and, 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 and then, like you said, then there's always more that are going to come out that, that are now your favorites and just, just use them and let them give you joy in the moment and then move on and open yourself up to, to more. Yeah. Sounds great. I think that's the I think we need to encourage more scrapbookers to do that. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast was to talk about kind of both the crafter and the business sides of experimenting to figure out what works and to find, you know, quote unquote, your way is the theme of our podcast. And how do you stay flexible as the industry industry shifts in front of us and, and, and forces <laughs> us to make decisions all the time, both as, both as crafters ourselves and as business owners who are, you know, in part guiding some of those shifts. Um, so maybe well, to start by sharing how, how Coco Daisy came to be. Oh, Oh, that's kind of an interesting story. So, um, and I, for me, uh, personal faith and and so on, it was totally, I felt like a God thing. I was, um, I was putting together the, um, kind of special custom, um, class kits, um, for Trisha. She was the original owner of Coco Daisy. And I was on her design team. And I just kind of did that a little part-time because I was a stay-at-home mom to the boys when they were little. And um, she became pregnant and with her with her third child and was going to be moving. And it was just kind of too much. She was like, you know, I'm just done. I'm just going to shut the door. And I found myself in a divorce. And I had been a stay-at-home mom for eight years and not, I didn't, I don't, I don't have a college education. Um, I hadn't been in the industry for, uh, you know, in the, in the working field for quite a while, like I said, eight years. And I suddenly needed to find a job and I needed to find a job that I could do. I didn't want to disrupt the boys too much. I wanted to still be able to be home with them. And I said, you know what, let, let me buy it. I'll, I'll do it. Let me, let me make this work. And uh, so I, <laughs> I hocked some jewelry and put it down payment on the company. And, and that was it. I was living with my mother, my mom and dad that summer. And we uh, just started it in their office. And then when we 
the boys and I got a home. We moved in here and then I started it in the basement, continued it in the basement. And now we have a shop. It just outgrew the house. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it did. It outgrew the house. And, uh, and now we have a shop and I have roughly about 18 employees. It's pretty crazy. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, I just, I love stories like that of how you have a point in your life where you need to make something happen and you can choose to go a different route or you can choose to try to make it, make the ideal situation as much as you can. And you had that, that value of staying home with your boys and you were able to to make that happen with this business. So that's super awesome. Yeah. And I was in my background is, was always, my background was in graphic design. I worked for 12 years at a newspaper and managed the art department. And, um, you know, I've always loved art and being creative. So it, it was also a really exciting fit for me to be able to get back into that. So it was just one of those things like it, there's no, there's no hope it's going to work. It has to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, since that time, since you took it over, how have you needed to pivot both kind of personally and professionally? Like what has changed? And so what year was that when you, when you bought the company? Uh, that was 2010. Okay. Wow. So 10 years now. Yeah. 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 It'll be 10 years in September. So yeah. So what, what's changed in that time? I mean, what hasn't changed? But. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It, I mean, maybe you can think of a spe- some specific times in which you felt like you needed to to pivot and to make make some big decisions. Probably uh, the first biggest one was when because as I the the company was originally a twelve by twelve scrapbooking kit, mm-hmm. and that we had the one kit. We would do a few little add ons, but it was basically the one twelve by twelve kit, and that was um, you know when scrapbooking was huge and it started to, to slow down. And I think people started to just kind of venture out into other, other things. Um, other uh, knitting became kind of big, I think at that time. And so I had to try and, and figure out which way to go, you know, where, where am I going to go? If this is slowing down, what am I going to do? And I have always used a paper planner and I didn't like the inserts that I had that were out there. I wanted something pretty. And so I had made my own and printed them out and, and posted a couple pictures and people were like, Oh, those are so great. And Emily, who has been with me forever, she handles my design team and my social media. And she's just a sweetheart. And she said to me, and she's awesome at spotting trends as well. And she said, you know what? The planner community is huge. You need to make this in a kit. I was like, ah, I don't know. Do you think? And she's like, yeah, I think you do. And so I just started doing some more research. I started working on the, the paper aspect because I was going to be real picky about um, paper and meeting with different printers and, and getting that all together. And so the, I would say probably the biggest pivot in the business that we've had to do was, was move. We continued on with scrapbooking, but then we added in the whole planner line. And then we've just continued to add more and more and more um, as, as the market has changed and as demands have changed. So we always try to, to meet our customers' needs. But that is probably the, the, biggest, the biggest pivot right there. And then uh, I would say probably the next biggest pivot was when we had moved up from the basement into half of my garage. 
and just like this still isn't working. <laughs> I need an actual I need and I, I think for personally, if you kind of segue that into like a personal um growth and, and pivot that I had to do was I needed desperately to separate work a little bit from the rest of my life because it was still is, but at the time it was just so all consuming. Oh, I bet, yeah. So to get the 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 um the business part, some of it off site from the home and help me kind of um, separate the two a little bit. That was, that was a huge thing as well. So on the topic of the, the planner items, I've always noticed that you've done so well at accommodating uh, interests in different sizes. And I'm curious, like what goes into like making those decisions and, and what kind of what, what trends have you seen kind of come and go or are still coming up in terms of those different sizes? Because not everyone yeah. is willing to to offer that many different permutations. Yes, that's true. That's true. We have we have a lot, and then, oh, and it's it's so hard because um, and that's one thing that we've noticed about the planner community is they switch around a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, for a few months they'll they'll love the personal size, uh, like our Dory booklet, or you know, and then they'll want to go to rings and try that again. So there's, it's very hard to stay on top of. <laughs> um, <laughs> we we do just really try to pay attention to what our customers are saying. We'll do surveys once in a while. Um, we'll watch the trends. We'll see what we see people using a lot of, and. And then obviously the, the bottom line tells us what they're not using. I mean, so, mm-hmm. you know, if you're offering something that after a while you just see is, is not popular, um, then what we'll do is we'll switch it out and, and replace it with something else. But it's, it's interesting. There's, there's, there's up ebb and flow and there's up and down to, um, to certain sizes and, we, obviously, we can't do everything. <laughs> I wish we could. Yeah. I wish we could offer, you know, every option out there. But there are so many. So we try to just kind of um, keep it to the ones that we we feel have been the most popular with our customers. Well, it seems like that when there's other companies that are creating what let's just call it different infrastructure for the planners, like different binders and systems, and people are like, oh, I want to try this new thing. And then yep. those of you who are creating things that are are the guts then are left to try to, okay, can we meet this need or not? As people yeah. are, you know, dabbling in fun new things. And that was a big thing with the, and I always worry I say this wrong, is that the Hobonichi. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that became huge. I think it is still really pretty popular. Um, and that's not, not something because it, it's almost a, it's a whole year. It's not really something that we could create. It doesn't, it doesn't work with our aesthetic of how we, you know, create a new collection every month. Yeah. But we have tried to, like you said, kind of create the guts for that a little bit by, you know, having sticker kits and and, uh, we created our own week's booklet that does three months at a time just to try and kind of fill that need and, and work with um, what people are using. But yeah, it, it's constantly changing. Not like scrapbooking, <laughs> which is a little bit more steady. You know, there's always some there's some options, but that also is like going off in so many directions. It's it's 
never a boring moment. <laughs> well, one other thing that I think I've noticed is that you've really carved a specific stylistic niche for yourself with, you know, it's very, it can be colorful. I always think of very like cozy, like romantic, pretty, as you said, um, a, a, a very clear style to your products. And I think the maybe the, the work you did with the planner started that. And, and I'm curious what, what in the industry maybe influenced that as, and I see this with all the kit cubs, more in-house design than sourcing from yeah. the big manufacturers over time. Um, I guess, I guess the best way to put it is I, I try to, I try to create things that obviously that people will, will like and enjoy and, and make them smile. And, um, like our little catchphrase, it's, it's, you know, you know, brightening your day and Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. But at the same time, um, I'm very true to what appeals to me. Yeah. So every month I, I, I'll think of something and, and it will in some way be something that I'm really excited about. Cause it's one thing that I've definitely learned is that I cannot curate and visualize and create a, a collection every month that doesn't excite me. Then it's, then it's like trying to push and it's too hard and it just doesn't come together the way I want it to. So if I'm excited about it and in the artwork and the colors, you know, really get me, get me going, then, then I know it's, it's going to come together well. And, and generally that so far anyway, that has been well received. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's, it's awesome to be able to have a really clear vision and to see that consistency month to month that, you know, if I, if I buy something Coco Daisy net, like this month, six months from now, you know, I'm going to have the same type of, there's a certain degree of whimsy in there and just, it's going to, yeah. it's all going to feel cohesive. Yeah. And we try to, we try very hard though, to, to switch up the themes and switch up yeah. the look a little bit because it's very hard to have, have a theme every month that appeals to everyone. You know, oh, that's, certainly. that's yeah. the bill. But um, we hope that, as you as you mentioned, the look kind of is always there, mm-hmm. and then that's what uh, it has has uh, an appeal for every single month. So, maybe switching to the product itself a little bit. Why do you think kit clubs are so helpful for scrapbookers versus just you know buying individual products here and there? Well, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to go back to a little bit of a, of a personal take on that. Um, when I, when I have sat down in my craft room and thought, okay, I have this particular photograph or, you know, a mini book that I, I want to create about a vacation. And then I start, I look around and I think, okay, what do I have to grab? You know, and, and you have this enormous stash, which is wonderful. And, and you start to grab things and you spend so much time like trying to find everything that matches or that will work with that theme or that color of that photograph. And then you've, you've taken a lot of time to do that. And sometimes you, as, a, as um, some people don't feel very well or very good about their ability to match things. So that can be intimidating. Whereas when, when I sit down with a collection, there's, there's a specific amount of product 
here you go. This all matches. It will all work. You don't have to search for anything. So it almost gives you parameters like this is the stuff. This is what you use. And then it, I think it stretches your creativity a little bit because it's like, I'm not going to go search for all of this other stuff to use. I have this. And I'm going to make this work. And it all goes together. So it, it helps, I think, both if you're not feeling creative because it, it, it's almost like the limited choices help you start. Oh, for sure. But then same time, those limited choices can then push your creativity. So I feel like it does both. It's solving a lot of problems that scrapbookers yeah. face all kind yeah. of in one package. Um, and I know because I'm I'm the type of person that can talk myself out of anything. And so I end up buying white cardstock and adhesive when I when I load up my <laughs> cart. And so buying right. a kit forces me to actually have fun things to play with so that I, I can't talk myself out of it. Right. And some things maybe that you haven't um, tried before. Yeah. And then it's fun to experiment and maybe you find something that you love. Like I would have never thought that I loved like chipboard pieces. And that's one of my favorite types of supplies now. Yes. Yes, totally. And there's two other things that I I feel like a kit club really can offer. And um, one of those is a community. So generally with a kit club, you will have a community and those people are using the same products and then they're posting and they're talking about how they used them and what they did with them. And so you have this, this great amount of inspiration that you can use that's right there and it's free. And it's just, it's in scrapbookers by nature are just wonderful people and they love to share and they love to encourage. And I think when you have a kit club, you have this built-in community of people who are using that same product mm-hmm. that you love, or maybe the pieces of the kit that you didn't particularly love or didn't know how to use someone else does love. And there's, and you're like, Oh wow. Light bulb. Yeah. That's how I want to use it. And I think that that's, that's one of the the aspects that I love about, about a kit club as well as the community. But then the other thing is, and this is something we've, we started with our traveler's notebook memory keeping kit. Um, I really wanted, and when I, when I, create the kits, one of the things that I always have running through my brain is like, oh, I want to show how to use this. I want to show, oh, this is going to be so fun. I want to, I want to show how you use that, or this is, this stamp is a, you layer it, you know, and, and I have all of this stuff in my head. And one of the kind of going back to that, the personal pivot thing uh, with the growth in that is, is one of the things I realized is I've got to be able to make time to show this. like the vision that's in my head to be able to share it with our customers. Like this is why that product's in there because I had this idea. Yes. Yes. I, I was not able to do that because I mean, owning a business, it's like another child in, in (laughs) just, and so I needed to, to get more help so that I would have the time for the creativity. So when we launched the, um, the traveler's notebook memory keeping kit, one of the things that I wanted to do, was create a worksheet that was printed, included with the kit, that showed a couple of examples. like, And and then also there's a sketch in there too. So you don't even have to download it. You don't have to print it. It comes right in the kit. And it's too... Yeah, I wanted to include that so that um, it gave people a jumping off point and they they could receive the kit and they would immediately have two layouts that 
showed them where to start and mm-hmm. it showed them how to use some of the product that maybe um, they were unfamiliar with or, you know, it, it kind of, it took my vision in my head of that product that I created and was excited about. And I was able to, to showcase it in a couple layouts for people to, to just kind of jump right in right away and not be intimidated and not, um, if they had any creative block at all, that they could, they could start with it right away. Well, and I can, I totally identify with that idea that sometimes we're, we're so like onto the next thing as business owners that it's hard to make sure you're doing that very last step of the, the follow through and making sure that your vision is meeting the customer and they're understanding your intention and you're, you're guiding them along. So anything you can do to support that, make sure that the effort you put in in advance was all worth it because they're, they're doing yeah. what you expect them to do. And it's, it's so hard. <laughs> It is. It, it like, you know, sometimes there's, there's things that you, you picture, like I said, you picture it in your head, how it's going to be used. And, and if you don't share that, yeah, it can be, you know, that certain products can almost be confusing to people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where do I begin? Mm-hmm. For sure. We talked a little bit about how you monitor trends and you said that, that Emily is a good trend spotter as well. How do you choose which trends to follow and I'm curious what kind of shifts in customer behavior has surprised you the most over the past few years? Um, trends. So that's, I guess, um, so there's two different ways I look at trends. The, the one is going to be for like the collection theme or the collection colors. Mm -hmm. And that generally is something that I, I just kind of go with my gut on, Mm -hmm. you know, I may see a little something in an ad or in a catalog and I'll think, you know, I think that's going to grow. And then, and I'll make notes and, and I have a book that I keep all of my ideas for future kits and stuff and collections. And, and, and that's kind of where I monitor those kinds of trends. And then I also just, kind of the things that are really appealing to me currently. I mean, I'm a, I'm a consumer as well, you know, so I have to think that if it's appealing to me, that it's going to be something that's appealing to my customers as well. So it's just kind of one of those, you know, kind of current trend, like what's big, you know, kind of a thing. If you just kind of really look around, you can kind of zero in on it a little bit. So that that's kind of the way I look at um, trends for the collections, trends for the industry is kind of different. And I think what you have to do is you really have to be paying attention to what your customers are saying and what your customers are leaning toward and the interests that are out there. And so if you, um, if you spend some time on social media and you, you listen to, to people and what they're excited about and what they're interested in, I think that's the best way to kind of get an idea of, of where things are headed. I'm curious if there's ever been something that was you saw blowing up, but it, it just didn't fit with your style or your business model. And you're like, you know, that's we're not going to jump into that box. Um, Yeah, I would have to say probably like the Hobonichi because uh-huh. it just doesn't it the the whole idea of a, of a bound book. That's a, a year is is not how we um just not how we operate. <laughs> you know, we do a, we put together a new collection every single month and it's, it would be hard to do 12 months 
Yeah, it, it just it would be a huge book <laughs> because oh, I would sure. want the paper quality um, to be a heavier weight so you can stamp on it. And you'd end up with an encyclopedia. It just wouldn't work for us. But uh, yeah, I would have to say probably that one. The, everything else we've pretty much tried to do um, at least offer something that works for our customers that that would help them uh, enjoy what, whatever uh, passion they have at the moment, whether it be memory keeping or planning. And anything that surprised, surprised you over the years that people are like, like, did you, did you see the planner trend coming or, uh, you know, there's this, there's always been, as we've talked about at the beginning, there's so many different options today. And, you know, yeah. 10 years ago, would we have predicted that this is what crafting would look like in 2020? Well, no, I mean, I did not, I, there was, so, I mean, I go back and I, you know, I, I thank M for that, that initial push, you know, like you, this is, you've got to do this, you know, and, and there was also a selfish bit of, I want pretty pages in my planner, so I hope it does work because then I could use them, you know, um, but yeah, I've I've been really surprised at it and happy too because it, part of it is because of the digital age. I in scrapbooking as well, and that was probably one of the things that that we have not gotten into. Back to that idea of not gotten into is a lot of digital product, um, because I think for us it's it's there's a tactile thing and. You want to be able to touch and hold and manipulate and and create. And for me, um, you know that that's probably one of the biggest things. And so I was I was thrilled to see paper planning come out the way that it did because in this digital age, so many people were using their their phones or digital mm-hmm. calendars and, and all of that. And so to have that the the tactile quality with a planner is super appealing to me. You know, I go back to my newspaper roots and mm-hmm. when we, I'm going to give you my age here because I'm turning 50 this year. And so way back in the, the early nineties, ad design, you still stood, you know, you still stood at a, at a desk with your triangle and your T square and, and, and your you, paste up. <laughs> right. And you, and you did, you did everything by hand. You know, yeah. you had, you had border tape and an exacto knife, you know? Yeah. And now, it, and I loved that. And when when the industry, the newspaper industry, first started to go um, digital and using computers, it was amazing the things you could then do. But there was also I had a little twinge of sadness because you lost that that ability to do it with your hands. And I think that's why I, I still love creating uh, memory keeping and planning, all being able to touch the paper. Oh, for sure. Well, I think the more that I've spent time on the computer doing work, the less time I want to spend on the computer playing because (laughs) I need to get off. Um, And I think just being a business owner has has made that even worse. It just uh, incites my my cravings to to do something Mm -hmm. with my hands. 
But I've also been yes. super fascinated with what people have been doing with hybrid. And, you know, my version of hybrid is I print journaling on a background and then print my photo and then put a few embellishments <laughs> yeah. on. But there are people I, who will you take, that. you know, whole collections. I even have some of my, my design team myself who will print whole collections and, and cut them out and basically do traditional scrapbooking with supplies that started digitally. So it's it's fascinating to see people's I don't know some people are very I guess patient and and willing to do that and they fi- they find that fun um and others mm-hmm. just to say well that's not even what's the point I just want to do all digital and it just adds a whole other layer of uh, option uh to yeah. all those permutations I guess mm-hmm. yeah it and and there are, I've I've noticed too where a lot of people will start out with almost like a structured layout and then and then fill in part of it, print it out, and then add some more layers on top as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it is interesting, all the different ways that we create. So I'm curious what your experience over the past decade kind of is telling you that we should expect in the next few years. What is what is Coco Daisy planning for the next few years? Like what I mean, I'm not asking you to share every single one of your plans, <laughs> but where do you see things going? What do you think is going to continue to rise? What do you think maybe we'll see a resurgence? I think right now what I'm really seeing is, and it started probably last year, it was a, a simplification mm-hmm. move. Um, and I see that continuing. And I see that a lot with um, the rise in the happy planner being used as a memory keeping system, which I'm loving and I'm enjoying that a lot. Um, I think because it is, it's simple, it's not intimidating and you can record so much. I mean, there's, it encourages you in a way to take a snapshot of your every day. And I, I love that about it. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you can sit and do a whole week's worth of, um, worth of memories in like an hour, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think that that's, I I continue to see that simplification. I don't know if the simplification is going to transition over into planning. You see that a little bit with the whole weeks, uh, the Hobonichi weeks. That was, that was kind of that trend as well. Um, I would love to see 12 by 12 come back a little bit Mm -hmm. more. I would love to see that. Um, And, and see that kind of, resurgence of that just because you know that that's where my heart was that's where it all started oh, for sure. <laughs> and I I would love to see see some more of that as well um in, yeah. in interviewing but, people on the podcast I, one kind of trend of simplification that I've seen is that people are choosing different formats for different projects because they still want the crafty tactile experience and they're they're trying to make sure they have that somewhere but then they're choosing other things like doing more photo books to to make them feel like okay I'm getting the best of both worlds but it's not all necessarily in one project anymore well and I think if you combine like that so for instance I use um I use our simple dory which is like a traveler's notebook um, I use that because that is to me like a mini 12 by 12 spread mm-hmm. at that. And so that gives me a lot of that, um, creative fulfillment because I can, I can kind of go back to my roots there and, and do a lot of creative, you know, I can put, I can splash a little paint on there and, and I can, I can really have fun 
with that. But then at the same time, I don't feel like, oh, I have to do so many layouts every month to be caught up. Because if I do in my happy planner, a little daily picture and a little bit of a caption, I've recorded all of our memories. Now I can take the ones that I want to expand on or maybe that great picture or the one that has a longer story. And I can put that in my simple Dory or my traveler's notebook. So I like, I like, as you mentioned, having the option of two, but I think it gives us that kind of freedom from guilt of like, I'm not caught up, which I think is scrapbookers is probably one of the biggest things oh. that slows us down. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, just to make sure that you're asking yourself, okay, what is it that I really want from this? And then how can I choose the products and the, the places that I'm buying from to best support that? Um, and you know, that's going to shift for all of us over the years, but to keep asking that question means that you're always going to stay inspired and motivated and having fun, but also productive at the same time. Yeah, totally. So how do you think our, there's always a lot of talk about, oh, the industry's changing. And sometimes that, that talk is not so positive. How do you think, you know, even our listeners here can best support the industry as a whole and small businesses like yours? Is it more than just buying the products like what can we do to really keep things going I think I think you have to you have to understand um that small businesses are not Amazon (laughs) (laughs) we we can't we can't provide two-day free shipping it's just it's not it it's just not gonna happen um so if you go into you know, that we're not, we're not big box, that we're not cookie cutter. So when you look at a small business, really recognize the fact that, um, that there's a lot that goes into that, that makes that particular small business special. Um, and just using us as, as an example, every single month we, we curate, design, manufacture, pack, and ship a new collection every single month. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your your um, big companies do a few lines every six months. So understanding that that's special, that's different, and that um, that may end up costing a little more, you know, but if that's something that appeals to you to try and understand what goes into all of that, and, um, I mean, obviously, as you said, you know, it, it, it can't just always be the best way to support is obviously to purchase from that company, but to understand a little bit about each company and what makes them special and makes them different. And then you see the value. Um, and probably the, the biggest way to support a company that you love and that you enjoy purchasing from, tell your friends, mm-hmm. tell your friends about that company, tell them. Um, you know, cause we can market as best we can, but a friend telling a friend about something that they enjoy is, is huge because there's a trust there and you're saying, I love this product and this is why, and you're telling a friend and, and in it, that I think is probably one of the best ways that you can help support a business that you love is to tell people about it and tell them why you love it and, and just spread the word. Well, in communicating that that specialness and why you value that, I think helps others understand and and maybe shift their perspective on what they do value. They value that that curation and that personal attention to the products they're receiving versus the the, the big box store that can get it to you in eight hours. You know, 
Right. Yes. I wish we could. I mean, that would be awesome, but unfortunately we cannot. <laughs> well, and there's this, like, there, there has to be a value of this, like the, almost an intimacy that you have with your customers that you can, especially because you're, you're creating so rapidly, you can respond to their needs and their desires and say, Hey, we heard you guys were really into I noticed your, your your current kit has a lot of like rainbows in it. We know you guys love rainbows. Here's this kit and we can respond to that so quickly. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. And that is, that is very true. And that's one of the things that we love to do. We love to listen to our customers. We love to get their input. Um, in fact, we just, we had a couple customers mention about the, the week's sticker um, set that we have out that goes with the Hobonichi. And there was a, a comment about something in particular that they were like, well, if you only did this and we've actually made that change, you know, so it's, it's like, it's one of those things that you're right, that because we are month to month and there is that rapid turnover, we can um, meet, meet their needs and their suggestions really quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that's another good way to support is to make sure that you are like staying engaged and communicating your needs because that's, that's how things get done is that if you hear enough people say, we want this, that's how they get made. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's very true. You know, if they send out a survey, take the time to do the survey mm-hmm. and, and let us know what, what you're enjoying as, as well as what you're not and, and what you would wish that we offered, you know, those kinds of things. But yeah, doing the surveys is a huge help because we really do read all of the answers and we look through and we, I mean, because without our customers, we wouldn't be here. And you know, we want to, we want to create those pretty things as much as I enjoy them. I want to create them so that other people can enjoy them as well. All right. Do you have any final last, you know, advice for our listeners in terms of staying, you know, experimenting with different styles and staying flexible to, you know, new fun things that are coming soon? I would say, as I mentioned, the, the community, if you're part of a kit club, and even if you're not, you can still join different communities. I think that's a great way to to get an idea of how people are using product. Um, if you are thinking of experimenting or trying something new, if you join if you join a fan page or you join a community and you see how they're using things, I think that's just a great way to to almost try something out without buying it first because you can see how people are using it. You can get an idea watching, watching videos, watching process videos are so fun. (laughs) I love watching process videos and seeing how people create with the product. And if there's a particular company that you, you uh, love their product, you know, they generally will have a design team. You mentioned you have one and we have one and, and check out that design team and see how they're using the product and see if, if that inspires you to try new things as well. Well, and I love that, you know, I think, I know that I try to create my team based on their their variety and diversity and how they create so that um, you can take one single product like yours or we, we release um, sketches and storytelling prompts and take one point of inspiration and see where you can go with that. And that's the beauty of having a team because it's it's, you know, the possibilities are endless and you can always find that one person on the team who you resonate with month after month and really, you know, have somebody else that you can follow online as well. Yeah, exactly. They kind of they kind of have the same style as you, and it, it appeals to you. And 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 again, with with having that community, you can and having a um, a, a small company, you can reach out to those design team members and actually ask them questions. 
and they'll respond and, and you can, you know, it creates such a great environment of, of sharing and encouragement too. So I, I think that's one of the best parts of it. Oh yeah. I love it for sure. So we will include all of the links to Coco Daisy's website, social media, um, in the show notes for this episode, but is there any like final thing that you want to share, like a sneak peek of something you have coming up later this year? Uh, okay, sure. Okay. So this is something that I'm really excited about. So Coco Daisy, if, if you, anyone who's been with us for a long time, there's been a little bit of a progression with the brand. Obviously when I purchased it, it was not my brand. And, um, just over the years, kind of creating it more my vision and, um, having it really represent what, what I feel. And one of the things that we're doing, um, is we're launching a completely new rebrand. So it's, it's still Coco Daisy. It's still the polka dot box. It's still, um, a lot of what you love when you, when you see our brand and our logo, but it's, it's, I think it's just been tuned perfectly. Wow. So I'm excited about coming up. Yeah. Any like rough time frame for when this is planned? Um, we're hoping to have that all kind of out and going by mid to late April. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. There's so much that goes into um, changing it all over, but I'm, I'm excited because it, it just felt like it was time. Um, so much of my time has been, you know, get things done, get things done, get things done. And with this last year, I've been able to employ some more help and it's really kind of giving me that space to breathe. Lovely. And to yeah. look around and go, you know what? I want to do this. And so that's been exciting. Oh, I, I'm so excited for you. I cannot wait to see how that all unfolds. And I wish you all the best for for that big launch and for 2020 and beyond. So, I mean, congratulations on 10 years of business ownership. And yeah. I, um, Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm, this has been a lovely conversation. Thank you. I've been, this has been so fun. Yeah, yeah. this has been great. And thank you all of you listeners out there for supporting Scrapbook Your Way. I want you to go away and remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way.